All right, everyone, welcome to Safety Last again. Today we have a friend of mine, uh, Bex. Do you want to Hello. introduce yourself? Hi, uh, I'm Bex. I studied with Stanley for one or two units at university because we were both studying education. I believe you did high school education and I did yeah. early childhood education. Um, with that degree, I'm currently living, living in Germany. Cologne um, as an English teacher in a German kindergarten. Mm, um, I actually forgot that we we were in the same class. <laughs> Is that wait no? Were we ever in the same group though for like uh, an assessment? No, I thought I was with um, uh, one of your mates, Gio, I believe. Oh him, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he was great fun. Um, mm, yeah, he's, but... he's amazing. <laughs> Uh, but no, I we were still. I remember that there were a lot of group discussions, and our group discussions really got heated sometimes. And it was really fun listening to your input as well. What my input? Yeah, I just thought you were just a really oh, he's a, he's pretty chilled, laid back. But and then once he starts talking, oh, he's pretty critical and not in a bad way, like critical thinking type of. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, you know, I, I didn't even pay you to say that, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Um. Do Do you remember the course before we jump into the the topic? Do you remember what we were studying? I actually have no idea. I can't remember at all. That's cool. Um. I certainly don't remember. So you know, <laughs> uh, waters off a duck's back. Um. So, Bex. Uh. There's a few questions. Uh. Before I jump into the main topic, which we'll be speaking about dwarfism today. Yes. So there's a few topics I want to, uh, just ask you just about. Germany and Cologne, just because I've just have an interest in other cultures and other mm-hmm. societies, uh, and then we'll segue into our main discussion. So, this is almost like a what do you call it? One of those uh, television games where you get on and then you have like a few. Yeah, I thought I thought this would be pretty fun. So you have like a few seconds uh, just to think about it, and then it's like in twenty five words or less, you have to give a response. So okay, I've All got right. a a bunch of questions about. Uh, <laughs> about Germany and Cologne and I'd just like All to right. get your input and then like you know three four minutes later we'll zip oh, to the mental... <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should it'll, it'll, make, it'll make the podcast funnier <laughs> <Wait>. um, <laughs> okay so yeah um, is it true that you recently left uh, a school or you moved institutions uh in Cologne because I saw on your Instagram uh you getting flowers or presents yes to give the backstory, I came to Germany to experience different ways of teaching because the German way of teaching early childhood is world-renowned. So that was one of my uh, tickets to come to Germany and I wanted to work in different kind of um, settings to see what they all do because even in Australia we have private settings, public settings, community-based um, schools. So I wanted to see what it was like here. I was at this current, um, well, not current, now, yeah, <laughs> recent mm-hmm. um, centre for one and a half years. I jumped straight into it. It was a really good experience. I really learned a lot, but I was starting to feel like, because I, I'm not planning to live here forever, um, and I was starting to feel like, okay, I feel that I've gotten as much as I can for now, and I would like to expand and try something else. Mm-hmm. So, so are um, you thinking of staying in Europe, or are you thinking of coming back to Sydney? I am thinking of staying in Europe. I am pretty homesick and I want to go home for a few months. 
but with the current rules in Australia, mm. uh, that's a little bit Don't come back right now. Yeah, don't, don't do it. <laughs> um, so I'm going to rest for about a month because I came to Germany and five days after my arrival, I jumped straight into full-time work. And it's just been nonstop since then. So I'm going to have like one or two months break and then find a new job and then start working again. Cool. Um, all right, next question. Uh, 25 words or less. Uh, describe Germany. And I know it's hard, but try. Germany is beautiful. The people are nicer than you think. Um, much organization, which I guess I, li- I like. It's a very interesting place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And I'm going to combine these two questions into one. What is one stereotype about Germany that has been affirmed? And what is one that has been broken? Uh, one that's been affirmed is definitely... Um, their need for structure, their need for, they've set a structure, they've set a schedule, they set a plan, and you go for it. Like, if it's being said, you do it. That's one that I think is pretty, you know, stereotypical that I think is right. Mm-hmm. One thing is, I guess everyone, because what we see of German people is just stuff we see in Hollywood and stereotypes, of course, but the people here are much nicer and then we think, I guess everyone thinks everyone talks so angry and everyone talks so rudely. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes, but for the most part, I've found people to be so kind, so helpful when I need it, especially with me as, um, as a person who's not just a foreigner, but also has a disability who occasionally needs help. People are actually much more happy, much more than happy, sorry, to um, extend help. Mm-hmm. And, and do you think they're happier to help than the regular Sydney cider? Uh, no, it's pretty similar. Like, I guess everyone has that stereotype of scary Germans, unfriendly Germans. But mm-hmm. I was really pleasantly surprised that people were like, oh, it was like, can you please help me? It's like, yeah, how can I help you? Sure. Have a good day. Yeah, I wonder how much of that stereotype uh, is because of their accent. You know, all the jokes about yeah. like, you know, this is how you say hello in in French, in yeah, 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 in Korean, in Japanese, or in German, in Portuguese, <laughs> and then you have German at the end. It's just like you know, and the joke is basically it sounds like ridiculous or super of aggressive. Of course, um, cool. Well, before we jump into the main topic, can you say uh, hello? I am on a podcast in German. Have you learned much German? A little bit. Uh, hello, my name is Beck. Uh, ich mache heute ein Podcast mit einem Freund. That's awesome. That's that's really <laughs> awesome. Um, I'll preface this by saying uh, there's a lot of reasons I started a podcast. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons was because I felt like starting a podcast would give me the ability to ask questions, which I've always wanted to ask, um, except it might not be seen as so polite or like if people might find it a bit strange, but it's like, it's like when you, you know, when you're walking around the street and then you've got a microphone, strangers just say Mm. anything into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because there's a microphone and like, Oh, this is legitimate. (laughs) It's almost like a, uh, it's like a mind trick actually. Um, But one of the reasons I wanted to, uh, like I said, uh, start this was just ask people from different walks of life with experiences, which I don't really have 
different questions. And when I was thinking of ideas and people to actually interview, uh, you were one of the people that came to my mind because I just don't think there are, and I, and I told you this when I first brought this up, there's just not many times where uh, people with dwarfism have a microphone and they just allowed to speak unfiltered. It, I, I, mm-hmm. There's not many incidences of um, this happening in media. So mm-hmm. I just thought, you know what, instead of like going to find out through, you know, uh, other sources, let's actually just speak to you and let's hear what your experiences are like. So that's part of the inspiration for this podcast, for Safety Last. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm just really curious about, you know, your situation, your life, your experiences, etc. Mm-hmm. From my point of view, um, uh, number one, I am very honored to be on your podcast because I have <laughs> had a few previous ones. And I just love the discussions that you have with people. I like how deep you get. The second part is, I only started talking about my disability much later on in life. Like a lot mm. of people were talking about it much like since they were little kids. I only started talking about it in the last five-ish years. And one thing I've realized is people are much more curious than I expect. Even even the people around me who've known me for life, they are much more curious than I thought. And the thing is, when it comes from a place of genuine curiosity and no harm intended at all, I say there are no such thing as stupid questions. And I say this to the children that I teach as well because children are so curious. I said, you can ask me any question that you want to, but you're just not allowed to be rude. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I do that, they ask me the best questions ever. And Mm -hmm. I really love that. And I realized that a lot of um, adults, again, as I said, my friends even had these burning questions that they were just way too afraid to always ask me. And I said, don't be afraid. That's silly. Just ask me. I'm very happy to talk about it. So it's really cool that I can do this in a more public way. So thank you for this opportunity for myself as well. Appreciate that. So one of the first things I remember when it comes to uh, dwarfism was Mm -hmm. actually something you posted. Now, I'm not sure if this was Facebook, if this was Instagram, but Mm -hmm. this like stuck to me. And even now I can somewhat recall the words and uh, I don't have it in front of me. And, you know, if I, if I, I guess somewhat paraphrase it, hopefully you actually know what I'm talking about, but it was a post which said something like, um, when I'm out in the street or when I'm out, you know, in life, uh, there's a word which people use, which really hurts. And it's the mm-hmm. word midget. And mm-hmm. in comparison, dwarf, uh, if I'm remembering this status correctly, is m- a much nicer word. And you were just talking about the importance of learning uh, the language, uh, using a language which isn't actually which isn't meant to hurt other people. So as soon as I saw that, like, I guess it just clicked for me, like before that, I'd never really known or really thought mm-hmm. about the difference between those words. Um, but as soon as I saw that, it, I guess, clicked in my head. Like there are, you know, just like if we take like a racial slur, for example, there are ways to say, you know, Asian and that is much more derogatory terms as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll throw it to you. Uh, do you remember that, that post? And uh, what are your thoughts upon it a few years later? Um. I think I do remember the post, but I, again, this is something that I've only been recently starting to talk about. And the more I talk about it, the more it is easier to talk about um, more and more. So I guess I have mentioned it a few times, I think. Um, Yes, the word midget is a slur. It's very derogatory. It makes me feel 
like a very dirty object because mm. it derives from the circus freak show area um, times. It literally makes me feel like a picture. Um, so, yeah, the word dwarf, I do know that some other people with dwarfism don't always like this word because it might have the same connotations. For me, it is the medical term used to diagnose people like me. So for me, I don't have a problem with using this word. Oh, that person with dwarfism. Oh, I am a dwarf. Um, I'm okay with that. Again, I mean, I like being called Bex. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I think, of course, we're in this society now where we're understanding how important terminology is and wording. So I always try to, and I find it so interesting how many people don't realize, as you said, how offensive this word can be. I think mm -hmm. now the more that I talk about it, I'm getting a little bit, um, little bit more uh, desensitized against the pangs that you feel from that word. <laughs> but I remember when I first, when people in the street like, oh, hey, there's a midget. Um, people would it say that? Feel good. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get a lot of things on the street. <laughs> Do, okay, I've got a question, um, and I'll, I guess, give an analogy. Uh, when yes. it comes to, for example, Jewish people, um, yes. I know Jew is a, uh, well, it, it's, I guess it's a scientific term or a, a biological term, but yes. part of me, and I'm not sure if, it, if it's because of the Holocaust history or just the anti-Semitism that's been around mm -hmm. for so long, part of mm -hmm. me is a little hesitant to say they are, they're a Jew, um, and even then I would I'm not sure if this is just me being a little too polite or if I'm not even sure if this is like they something they care about, but I'll usually say a Jewish person. Now, I'm not sure if that's because of the history or if I'm just reading too much too into it, but in your situation, do you find, do you find dwarf like insulting or do you prefer like Bex with dwarfism? Uh, I understand completely what you mean, because I think I feel the same way about people. Um, if I say, they are Jews. I feel a little bit like, oh, don't say that. <laughs> um, I feel similar with the word dwarfism. Um, I prefer, like, I have dwarfism instead of I am a dwarf. That's how I would always introduce myself. If you wanted to um, say, this is my friend Beck, she has dwarfism, that sounds so much better than this is Beck, she's a dwarf, because is a dwarf, am a dwarf, that is a complete label, I guess like sticker label on your head whereas dwarfism is you know that's more explaining the situation so yeah it's yeah. one attribute of possibly very many yes you know actually when i was writing down some questions uh just brainstorming and maybe this is just habit and maybe this is just a blind spot that i don't have uh, or I haven't really recognized before, but I wrote, you know, ask questions, you know, and then I wrote like normal people or like, yeah. um, and I guess in my quote unquote defense, uh, it wasn't malicious, but at the same time, um, is there, is it rude to use terms like normal people or, and if it is, should it be average person or regular person? Like what's, yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> So um, I just had a really major flashback to a heated discussion that we had in uni. And this was mm. one of my strongest memories of you. Um, <laughs> it oh was no. exactly oh on this God. topic. Um, I can't remember oh exactly Lord. what we were talking about, but we were talking about 
some people with minorities, uh, like minority groups. I think that's what we were talking about. And we were all, it was like an open, we were all sitting in a circle. It was an open conversation and the professor was there. And then you suddenly said. Was it um, YT? I can't remember. Was it not YT? Seriously. It was, okay. it was um, anyways, you were just suddenly like, and normal people. And I, as soon as you said normal people, I said, what's normal? Or like, I was like, you can't say that. <laughs> and mm. at the same time, the professor had also asked, what's normal? And then you kind of put your hands up and like, sorry, sorry, uh, average people. <laughs> like you really quickly corrected yourself on the spot. That was one of the strongest memories I had of you. <laughs> and it's so funny that you bring that up because. <laughs> I've actually forgotten that completely. <laughs> um, because I, I'm really, um, I guess that's something that I try to educate people about. No, we don't say normal people because that would make me abnormal. And I know I'm different, but I'm not abnormal. I prefer using average people. Mm-hmm. Or like if we're talking about tall people and short people, for example, I say average heights people. Normal is not normal. <laughs> mm. is, is there any other words or phrases that uh, we should be aware of that is quite hurtful? Or is there just ways to be more respectful of our language? Very honestly, I say, like, if you're going to write an article, for example, or anything like that, you can just say, has dwarfism, has short stature. I feel that that sounds a little bit more professional. For example, there are a lot of dwarf organizations around the world. Each country has a dwarf organization. The people in America are called the little people of America. The one in Australia is called short statured people of Australia. And it's all different things. Um, So professionally, you can use that. But the thing that I always recommend is... Just ask the person because everyone's different. I know some people, I have a lot of friends and connections in the dwarf world now. And um, I know some people who are uncomfortable with that word and they prefer little person. Whereas I personally don't prefer little person because it sounds diminutive. Mm -hmm. Each to their own, which is fine. So I always just say, ask the person. Um, I've got some other questions in terms of architecture and just everyday life. And once again, this might be a blind spot, but that's the reason I'm bringing you on because it probably is a blind spot of mine mm-hmm. and other uh, average people. So question I have is when it comes to everyday life, are there uh, situations that I guess we wouldn't think of, which can be quite difficult to you? So whether it's like a design of a building or design of uh, just a place that could I guess, hinder your movement. Uh, so one thing I was thinking of, and tell me if this is right or wrong, but perhaps the mo- the the gap in the train might be, you know, hard or dangerous. Mm-hmm. Are there any situations like that where there's a design flaw which we wouldn't be really aware of? Mm-hmm. Uh, great question. Uh, the first thing that springs to my mind is just the average daily chore that everybody does. Um, is going grocery shopping. Naturally, I can't reach stuff on the top shelf. And so if somebody's next to me, I'll say, hi, can you please help me get the milk from the top shelf, for example? Or if someone's not there, I've got to kind of either wait for somebody to come by or go search for somebody. It's like, I'm really sorry, I'm in this aisle. Can you please come and help me? Which can be embarrassing. And at the beginning for me, it was humiliating like sometimes, depending on the situation. But girl got to get her job done. Mm-hmm. 
and we've got to still live our life and this is something I'm going to have for life. So it's something that you get over pretty early on and I don't mind asking for help. And a lot of people actually kind of see me kind of pacing, like, oh, how do I get that? What do I need? And they actually extend their help like, hey, can I help you get anything from the top shelf? I'm like, oh, actually, yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most simplest um, everyday activity that I can think of. Another one would be, for example, when I get on a bus, you know, the bus stop button that you have to press. I don't yep. know if you know, but some of them are really high up, which would mean I would either have to stand on the seat to, to press it or uh. ask somebody else to press it. So as soon as I sit up on a bus, um, or like, for example, even because they're not on every single seat, they're on like every second seat. So if they're not on the one on my seat, an average person would just be able to extend their arm and reach and press the button. But I would have to get out of my seat to go press that button. It's little, little things like this that people don't really realize. So as soon as I get on the bus, I'm like searching for a seat that has a button. And have you thought about, I'm not sure if you have answers or if like organizations uh, which deal with dwarfism have answers, but mm-hmm. are there design counters to that? So maybe under the seat, like would a uh, button there be helpful? Yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I do know that. Um, <laughs> I do know that sometimes that a lot of um, buses are putting buttons next to the windows, which are really accessible. I really like those. Mm-hmm. Uh, or just down lower, I guess. That's just in a little example. With the shopping stuff, you can't really help it. I don't know how you would ever fix anything like that. Another big example is public toilets. So mm-hmm. the use of an actual public toilet is relatively okay for me, for most of us. Um, it's when we need to wash our hands, that's when the struggle comes because the sinks are really high up. Mm-hmm. And then even if we can reach the sinks, our hands or our arms are too short to reach the taps. And so I would either ask somebody or I would just not wash my hands and use hand sanitizer. That's interesting. So immediately when when you said... Uh, hand washing my first thought was like oh is the sink too high and then I thought about it even more and you're right I'm like what well, what if they actually can't even reach the the button or the tap to turn it on I so sometimes <laughs> so does that mean like uh for people with dwarfism a lot of them would just carry hand sanitizer or just yeah. other cleaning products or be really hyper aware yeah. like I need to use the bathroom before I leave yeah. uh just these are just like really ingrained into your head definitely when I was visiting Berlin for a weekend, um, one thing I really noticed that was really cool in a lot of the public toilets was they had a lower sink. And I don't know if that was for children or if that was specifically for people with disabilities, but that was really amazing. That was really, really cool. They had all these sinks, the normal sink counters, I guess, and then they just had one sink that was much lower. And that was amazing. So, for example, why can't we have that in every bathroom? Yeah. And actually, this just came to my mind. I guess would the same thing apply for pedestrian crossings where you have to press the button? Would that be too high? Uh, most of them are fine, actually, I guess, because they try to encourage children to use it too. So most of them are pretty all right. Um, that's interesting. So as I said before, there's just like a few blind spots. Like I've just never even considered about the sink problem mm-hmm. or... 
some of the stuff that you said, or even like, you know, something's too high on the grocery store, like, you know, just stuff like that. I've just never even considered. Um, the other question I want to ask is about clothing. So is there a, <laughs> like, so what happens? Do you buy uh, younger children clothing or is it like special yeah, stores? I'm sure there's special stores. Um, what's the go? Do you get it tailored? <laughs> I should never stop talking about this. Uh, all right. <laughs> so sometimes, if I'm lucky, I can fit children's clothes. But a lot of children's Or if you're clothes, lucky. Yeah, so because... Is it just because it's is, cheaper? Uh, no, because as small as we are, our build is actually different to a child. So with my... Okay, I should have introduced this from the beginning. But there are hundreds, about two or three hundred different types of dwarfism in the world. Wow, I, have the most, I had no idea. Yeah, I have the most common one, which is called achondroplasia, mouthful, I know. And this means I have an average torso and it's just my arms and my legs that are shorter. With When we're sitting down, I like sitting down with friends because we're all at complete eye level. Again, that's not with every single type of dwarfism because some people have a shorter torso but longer arms and legs. So going... Back to the clothing point of view, because I have a, a woman's torso that doesn't fit into the um, children's t-shirts, for example, although the arms and legs might fit, um, they don't have the bumps and humps that women, um, adult mm-hmm. women do. So that's what I mean by if I'm lucky. <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. it works, sometimes it doesn't. I do usually find clothes in any random shop, like I'm not going to name brands, but just any random shop that you go to in shopping centers or I I wear all of them. Yes, most of the time I do need to get them tailored. So if you spent 20 bucks on a t-shirt, I would spend another 20 bucks to get that tailored to me, the arms. Wow. And that goes with most of my clothes. How about for shoes? So I was going to get to that. Shoes are the worst part ever. I seem to have it worse than a lot of my dwarf friends because a lot of my dwarf friends have relatively bigger feet so they can get um, smaller women's sizes or men's sizes, for example. My feet are completely child-sized. So it's really... And with dwarfism, a lot of us have flat or wide feet. So it's really hard for us to find a good shoe because with shoes, you can't get them tailored. And um, if you get them custom-made... They cost an arm and a leg just for mm. shoes. Surely so there's some kind of brand, isn't there? Not for shoes. Yes and no. There is, but again, that's really expensive because it's custom made. Because mm-hmm. there's not enough of a demand, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming, buying, I guess with clothes, I don't complain as much because I can get it altered. But shoes, because you can't get it altered, it's really struggle. It's a real struggle because unless you want light up shoes and glitter and unicorns and lightning bolts on your shoes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the hardest so, part. So what do you I do? I don't then? have a solution for that. I don't have a solution. It's just, if I can find one, I buy two pairs. <laughs> okay. And do you often like check out um, like children's shoes first and then, and then you just hope children. for the best? Yes. That's, that's exactly what I do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and the good thing about having a dwarf community around the world is kind of like, hey, where did you get your shoes? Do you reckon they have mm-hmm. it in my size? And then because the beauty of online shopping, 
So I live in Germany. I had a friend in England and apparently she was only one size bigger than me. So I found a shop online. Um, I could get it delivered to my house and that was really cool. Mm. But it's it's really it's really a, a lucky dip. Okay, let's let's move on to uh, media representation. So oh, here we go. As, <laughs> as I said, uh, part of the reason I wanted you on was just because I felt like there wasn't much media representation. So, you know, put the microphone in front of you. Um, it. When it comes to uh, media representation, do you see any changes in how people with dwarfism are portrayed, if they're shown, or if they really even get any spotlight of, at all? And what are your thoughts on Peter Dinklage? All right. Um, I feel that in the last five to ten years, the spotlight on all the image around dwarfism has changed a lot because of the use of social media and user-created content where a lot of people with dwarfism are starting to speak out and a lot of things are going viral. I know a lot of friends who just wrote a blog post ranting about something that happened and it just went viral and our voices are being much more heard, I feel. We still have a really long way to go as a society in general, of course, but I do feel in the past almost three to five years that there has been a growing voice for people with dwarfism. Um, generally speaking, though, dwarfism has always had a very negative image in media, a very negative representation. Again, um, hailing from the circus freak show times where we were used for a circus freak show. Um, look what this little person can do. Um, I don't know if you watch The Greatest Showman. That's exactly those kind of things. But is is that the film with uh, Hugh Jackman? Yes. And what was there? Uh, people with uh, little people. There was people like one with person dwarfism. with dwarfism, and and he... was he like a caricature or she a caricature? Uh, he was yeah, pretty much, and he was like put on a horse and made to look like a soldier, and everyone's like, oh, the small person, and and I'm fine with that because that was just a representation of what it was really like back then. But that's exactly how the world sees us. I know that a lot of us are really standing up to talk against these things, but I do know for a fact that... All right, this, this one's a little bit hard to talk about, but I, I, I do need to tell people about this. There are a lot of stuff like midget, res, midget wrestling or dwarf tossing or hire a midget for your party. There are a lot of these kind of things that are still very present today, and I even know people personally who do this as a job like I will dress as an elf for your party or I will dress as an elf for the annual Christmas photo shoot thing at the local shopping center or you can pay me to take a photo with your child uh, these things have been around for a really long time and they are still very present today uh, regrettably so it's really sad but I feel that much, uh, many more people are really starting to talk up and out about this, against this. And have you spoken to any of your uh, friends with dwarfism about taking on these jobs? Do Is there just a sense of anger? Like, why are you doing this to the community? How could you actually perpetrate this stereotype, which affects all of us? 
Me personally, I haven't and I can't because I personally don't like confrontation. <laughs> um, I don't know that person well enough to have those kind of open conversations about why they do these things. But how about um, if you were close? Would you feel like a sense of why are you doing this to the community? If we were close, I think I would try to get to know them, try to understand why they degrade themselves like this intentionally and try to boost their confidence to seek other kinds of seek other kinds of jobs or careers, um, boost their self-esteem, I guess, or any kind of thing, because I don't think any self-respecting person would be able to do this. That's my personal view on that. But I don't know these people personally enough. And very, very honestly, this is me being judgmental. Because I know that they've taken on this kind of job, I don't want to get close to them because they offend me and who I am and everything that I've been working for. And they do it intentionally, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could say, um, you know, obviously we don't have someone on uh, who does this to defend him himself or herself. But mm. I guess, you know, if I was just to put myself in your shoes, it would just seem like they're exacerbating the stereotype. Like yeah. they their commitment and their job actually yeah encourages this idea of like hire this person as an act look at this thing like i will be this object that you know you can you know purchase services for and Mm -hmm. and i guess in that sense it it can be uh demeaning or dehumanizing yeah (laughs) um going back to the media topic That is something that I think will take a lot of time. Um, There are growing celebrities like um, their honourable Peter Dinklage, who is is he just like a? Is he just like known as like the person? Like, is he just like this guy has broken like regular TV and he's just huge and his acting is like amazing, like out of this world. Is he just known as the guy? Yeah. Pretty much. Um, (laughs) Also because when he talks or does interviews, he speaks openly about it. And he says, um, laughing about my dwarfism is the last possible acceptable excuse for any human being. And the fact that he does speak openly about this and really advocate for this and lives that life by showing that he can and he does um, play more respectable roles as him for who he is and not for the dwarfism part of him, I guess. The fact that he speaks about this and lives, like walks the walk and talks talk. Um, he has a lot of respect from a lot of the community, like the dwarf community around the world. Mm. And it seems like just to, just to see if I'm actually on the money, it seems like popular media so legacy media television film hasn't really caught up in you know putting people with dwarfism in better roles but when it comes to self-generated media the community just has more access to views to eyeballs and because of that they are putting out more positive media which uh, encapsulates their life definitely 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 um i think well, mainstream media has a really long way to go in accepting that just because they accepted Peter Dinklage. It doesn't matter because, I mean, not doesn't matter. It doesn't, it, we still have a really long way to go in that sense. But yeah, as you said, many more people are speaking up and about. Even me, if you see a few of my Instagram posts, 
even if it's just for the people around me, um, just to educate one more person or another person about everyday struggles, for example, a lot of us are speaking out much more. And the fact that we have more platforms to be able to do this is a huge advantage for us, I think. I've got a question. I'm not sure if you feel the same way that I do, but you know, when I'm talking about or posting about or discussing Asian issues, obviously being Asian myself, there's a part of me which is a little, I guess, I don't want to say embarrassed, but that might be the best word. I'm not embarrassed in the sense that I'm embarrassed because I'm Asian, but because because you're Asian and you and or because I'm a oh we're Asian I guess uh, and there's that stigma that like you're trying to fight against. Part of you is like trying not to bring up issues which you already know people th- somewhat see you as, <laughs> and there's almost this desire to not rock the boat for anyone. I think maybe it's a little more pronounced in Confucian societies, but mm-hmm. even if it's outside Confucian societies, like I think part of me doesn't want to be seen as oh that Asian person bring up Asian issues because they can only see Asian issues. I'm not sure if you feel the same way about dwarfism. Uh, yes, I feel the same. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is just a minority in one sense, thing. Yeah, it's definitely a minority thing. Like, I'm always careful about how, where, when, how much I talk about this. Usually, I do like talking about it, but I'm I'm always sussing out the people I'm talking to, the audience, mm. whether it's a friend or if it's a stranger if it's a group of people, I'm really always sussing out stuff, them um, and their ideals before and how open they are to this conversation, for example, before I actually open up and be vulnerable in any way. Yeah, um, I really think, as we just agreed on, I really think this is a minority thing because um, I do this a lot of times when, like, there's an issue I want to bring up and I'm like, uh but they probably don't understand and it's probably going to take me another 25 minutes to explain everything. And I'm like, you know what? Forget about it. Um, so before I talk about it, and, and I actually do talk about it, you know, um, I, I wouldn't say I'm someone who shies away from discussing it, but I once had this uh, woman uh, speak to me and she said, being a woman talking about like feminism is quite hard because people see you as like, oh, you're trying to rig the system in your favor. So Mm. she said, it's probably easier for men to be uh, supporters. Uh, Maybe. I'm not sure if this is true. It's just just an interesting thought. But men, they don't have that stigma of like, oh, you are rigging the system for yourself in a way. Mm. Mm. The thing is, I feel that dwarfism is still a bit of a novelty. Um, Mm. And it's almost an unknown novelty because we're only just starting to talk about it. Whereas stuff like Asian stereotypes or feminism has been much talked about by very many and very wide. Um, Whereas dwarfism is still an unknown world and you have a few stereotypes, but it's not enough to really impact a lot of people's thoughts. So I think it is always interesting to talk to people about it because they literally just have no idea. (laughs) Like, as you said, you've had a lot of questions, but you just have no idea at all. Whereas some people can watch a few Asian movies or Asian stuff and be like, oh, yeah, I know this, I know that. Mm-hmm. One thing I've also noticed is um, so a lot of people stare at me or people with dwarfism in the street. I have come to completely accept that. Um, that's completely fine. 
it's different it's new it's kind of like oh like some people are like really nasty about it but uh, mostly it's just because oh there's a person who looks different okay cool um and that then they just pass by um one thing i've noticed is it's just such a new or different it's just not around enough like people aren't I don't want to use the word exposed, but that's the only word I can think of for this case. Um, people aren't exposed to dwarfism as often as they are to other things. So it's real big, it's a real big novel to them when they see people like me. And everyone reacts in different ways because either you don't want to be offensive or you just are downright offensive. <laughs> um, one thing I have noticed is despite their prior conceptions, misconceptions of people like me, because they only see me as that dwarf lady walking down the street. As soon as I break the glass wall, I guess, and give them a smile and say hi, or even be like, hi, can you give me a hand, please? That glass wall is shattered, and people see me as a person much more than me as a person who is little. Mm. Um, and it just takes like 10 seconds to break that, glass wall of novelty that is being a dwarf i i hope i'm on I, I hope you understand what i'm trying to say yep yep makes sense um just an, another question so this is um conversations that i've had m about myself like how do you interact is there a polite way to react do you just like not look or do you like pretend <laughs> you know, everything's cool i mean this is something i think about because like i think staring would be rude like if i just stare yeah. part of yeah. me is like well that gives them the illusion that this is an abnormal thing that I need to be staring at. Like, you know, oh, there's mm. like a car that's talking. Like, you have mm. to stare at it. So part mm. of me is like, I don't want to stare. But at the mm. same time, part of me is then like, well, but am I just like ignoring them? Is it rude to yeah. just ignore them? <laughs> and then, so, so I get this, like, I'm jumping between like, okay, well, I, you know, maybe I can look, but not too long. And maybe I can smile, but, you know, not too long. Just, um... Yeah, I don't know. This 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 stuff comes through my mind because Do you know I don't know why want to be I'm offensive. laughing. Do you know why I'm uh, laughing? Because I see this every day when I'm walking down the street. I see people like you, and I can see that mental struggle that they're having between uh, <laughs> wanting to look but not wanting to be rude, but not uh, wanting to seem like you're being rude because you're ignoring me, but yeah. still also having that curiosity to look. But like mm. you're just having that inner inner battle, and I can just see that, and you guys just give me a nice <laughs> smile and kind of walk away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um... for me, it's kind of like it's amusing, and very honestly, it's endearing because you guys are trying so hard. <laughs> and, and I think I think another reason you know we have this confusion um, is because, as you said, there's just not much exposure. I don't no. really know like. Is it rude to point it out? And I, once again, that's part of the reason I actually got you on. But yeah, there's just not much exposure. And, you know, taking what I just said, just to lead on to another question. And this was first introduced to me, I believe, through a TED talk. And mm -hmm. it was one of those talks where I found it really interesting. But at the end, I walked away and thinking like, wow, I didn't know that something I did potentially could be quite rude, even something which is like quite positive. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll give you, I, I give, I'll give you another example and then I'll move mm. on to um, exactly what I'm talking about. But even like the stereotype of like black people being athletes mm. can potentially <laughs> be, um, what 
constrictive, right? Because of the yeah. stereotypes. So even everyone wants to be athletic. Everyone wants to be, you know, everyone wants to do a million push-ups and a million pull-ups and stuff. But that potentially can be restrictive, right? If you only cast them in like aggressive roles or in athlete roles. And on this TED Talk, they said this person with a disability, I think she had a wheelchair. Mm. Uh, she said, I don't want to be your motivation pawn. I don't want to be like, oh, this person with uh, a broken leg or this person with, uh, you know, a misshaped spine or something can climb a mountain. Why are you not climbing a mountain? And to me, I guess part of me at first, before I watched that video, I was like, this is something, this is really inspirational. Like this person who has to overcome more potentially than the average person, average person needs to overcome um, is doing something. But at the same time, after watching the video, part of me felt like, but am I using them as motivation? And is that Mm. dehumanizing? So Mm -hmm. let me just throw it to you. What are your thoughts? Okay, so you throw a couple questions at me. I'll start from the beginning. Um, The best thing that you could do on the street, if you see someone like me, and you make little, like, a a split-second eye contact, just smile and keep walking. Or just, just give a smile and not a creepy one, just a genuine hi smile kind of thing. Um, just give a smile and just keep doing what you're doing. I've just had to come to accept that people will stare, that people will look. And that's just something like some days are better than others. Like if I'm not in a bad mood, it's like, everyone stop staring at me. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, I've just accepted it. And it's taken me a really long time to accept it. And just, um, I mean, I see it. I see everybody staring and trying not to stare and (laughs) I see all of that and I've just accepted it and it's come it's taken me a really long time to be able to be comfortable in my own skin in this way um I know a lot of friends still really struggle with that and I can't blame them at all it's really brutal sometimes but for the most part just just give us a smile and just go on by your day (laughs) if you really want to stare because you're curious then do it when we're not looking (laughs) Or when we've mm-hmm. turned away, if you really want to, if you're curious. And heaven forbid, please don't take a photo. Please don't take a video. Wow, has that us. happened? Has that happened? Some people have followed me in a ute while I was walking along what? the street taking videos no of me. This is really? a very... Yeah. So this that is the blind spot I'm talking about because I just... This doesn't even cross my mind. At the, yeah... Yeah, it's happened a few times at the first few times. And it's something that it's really hard to um, get over a lot of the times. It's like even to this day, if I think about it, it's just like, I remember once I was in like a Target or a Kmart and one of the guys who was working there um, had seen me a few aisles away. I saw him take a photo and then he came up to me and he's like, hi, is there anything I can help you with? Are you looking for anything? And he was like completely just trying to be so friendly. And I was like, in my head, forgive the language. And I was like, F you. You should have said it. You should have said, yeah, you can help me by deleting the photo. <laughs> I think now, like those things, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be really vulnerable and honest with you. They are so dehumanizing and so utterly humiliating in that moment that all you want to do is walk away and run away and and Mm. sink into a hole. And it's nowadays, 
I'm a bit more open to speaking up about it and confronting people on the spot. But having this confidence to be able to do that has taken me a long time. Because usually if I would see that, I would be in tears and run away and just remove myself from that. Just from that utter humiliation I would be feeling from that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday, I was walking. I was in a busy street in Cologne. And I get people take photos and videos. I try to just turn a blind eye. There was this one guy who was FaceTiming his sister, apparently. And he was FaceTiming me. And then I walked past and he's like, hey, do you want to say hi to my sister? And I was like, why do you think I would want to say hi to you? Why do you think this is okay? He's like, we just want to say hi. We just want to say hi. Completely oblivious to the fact that he was being offensive and that I was offended. Um, Mm -hmm. I was like, no, why do you think this is okay? No, this is not okay. You don't know me and you shouldn't be filming me. And his sister was on the screen just like, hi. And I was like, what's wrong with you guys? How bizarre. Um, This is what I mean by now I can talk about it. Some random men on the street will be like, hey, can I come and take a photo with you? I was like, why do you think that's okay? <laughs> um, what are you going to do with this photo? <laughs> mm, exactly. So as long as you're not doing that, for the most part, we're really good at filtering people who are looking at us. If you're just mm-hmm. doing it out of genuine niceness and hi, and, um, or if you're doing it to be really nasty for your own entertainment. Mm-hmm. That, that was a long spiel for that first part. The second part, what was your question again? Sorry. It was the uh, motivation porn. Oh. <laughs> I was fueling up my car one day in Sydney. Mm-hmm. This lady came up to me. You are an inspiration. You just really inspire me. I was like, thanks. I'm just <laughs> thanks, fueling lady. up my car. It feels nice, but I'm fueling up my car. It's like, why is me fueling up my car? So inspirational for somebody. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of, um, I would never be able to do what you do. From that point of view, I can There's like an of... insult underneath that though, isn't there? Like, yeah. like, like it's like, oh, It's poor like a backhand you. compliment. Yeah, in a way. It, in one sense, it makes me feel good because they really are trying to be encouraging and saying, hey, you make me feel like a better person or like you make me feel like I, I should be a better person. But in another way, it's kind of like, oh, poor you. Like it's mm. the really pity card. And one thing that we hate is the pity card. I hate the pity card. Mm-hmm. I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's one thing out of like actual genuine respect and awe, that's still cool, but it's kind of like, I'm just me, guys. Yeah, and, and there's no need to like elevate me, like, you know. No. Uh, really I'm not. just like everyone else who, you know, has problems. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's physical or mental or any sort of problem, yeah. and I'm just going away. Or just doing what I'm doing with my life, and I'm just like walking through every day. So, do you feel like it's dehumanizing when they look at you like that? If it's a pity card, then yeah. I do know people, for example, my friends who are always hesitant to talk about it because they don't want to offend me. But I do know friends who would say similar things, but with a different meaning in the sense that I respect and admire the way that you've overcome your obstacles in. Mm-hmm being a stronger person in general, being able to be more confident in general. I feel like, like that's slightly different to motivation porn because to me, yeah. from what, what I understand, motivation porn's like, wow, you're suffering so much. I should be better. Like it's the yeah. focus is still upon myself. Yeah, definitely. Compared to uh, you've overcome a lot of things, which is a genuine compliment about yeah. you. Yeah, that's what I mean. That, that's two very different things. And 
sadly, I get a lot of the former. Mm. Um, okay. I just laugh. I, I'm, my personality wise, I'm more of a positive person. I don't like confrontation. I don't like conflict. Um, so I'm more of a, all right, that's nice. Mm-hmm. They're feeling happy. Cool. Let's go on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I try not to dwell upon it too much because it's already hard sometimes living with this. So yeah, try to mm. think more positively about it. There's one more thing I want to bring up uh, yeah. before the end of this podcast. And before I bring up this, just this event, I just want to share this other story that I have at, from university. Mm. And I forgot the, the course name, uh, but it was about teaching people with disability. And mm. I'm not sure if you did this. I'm not sure if it was only a secondary high school mm-hmm. teacher thing. But we, uh, in a group, were assigned someone with a disability and we had to work out schedules or meetings or come up with work which would accommodate for their disability mm-hmm. did you do this do you know what i'm talking no. about no. okay maybe this was a secondary only thing um i don't i'm not really that sure but what was interesting was the person we got assigned i won't say his name but this dude was a two-time world gold medalist and he was like, he represented Australia for like um, gymnastics. Oh, he was living by himself. I, I think he had Down syndrome, but he was just, I remember like being assigned this guy. And then like on the first day, we had to introduce ourselves. And this guy yeah. just said, oh yeah, I'm a, I've got two gold medals. And everyone's like, what are you what? doing here? Like, bro, go home, man. This is not like, like you should be like helping us yeah. with our life like what are, what are, <laughs> like are you serious like how are we supposed to make like schedules for you man you should be like helping us and i remember just like that dude was just I, it's hard to explain like he was there flirting with like other people other girls like in the in, in the group and i'm like man like come on dude you're putting us to shame like go home man like you're not this is not for you dude you're like you should be helping me that yeah. i guess that was just my my thought um yeah. but you know, on that topic, I just want to transition to something that I saw you post a few times. Uh-huh. Uh, the 2017 World Dwarf Games. Yeah. You represented, just let me know if I'm getting the facts right, but you represented Australia yeah. in football yes. and you won yes. a silver medal. And yes. apparently, you actually scored a few goals. So for the last part of this podcast, just take me through <laughs> that. What was the experience like being with other people in your situation? Yeah. Uh, just representing the country just let me know all right so before i start this whole topic i'm not an athlete i Mm -hmm. i never liked sports i was never competitive this is me as me because i know a lot of other girlfriends have always been competitive that's more of a personality thing i've i'm not competitive i've never liked sports and there was always no point in trying to be good at sports because everyone was better than me faster stronger everything so even at like school PE or sports time, my teachers would just go easy on me. Um, they're just like, everyone has to run across country. They're just like, Becky, you run to the wall and come back. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was happy with that because I just, I just, there was no competition for me. Like I know some dwarf friends who would actually, no, I'm going to run the cross country. Anyways, so that's me. Just, I'm not athletic. I just never liked it. And there was really no competition. But when I joined... The SSPA, the Short Statue People of Australia, um, in twenty late 2014, 2015, early 2015, I think. 
they welcomed me, of course, and they said, we have this thing called the World Dwarf Games, which is like the Olympics just for people with dwarfism. It happens every four years, just like the Olympics. We have a whole range of sports, just like the Olympics. And we represent, it's literally just like the Olympics, just for little people. And we want to make the first, uh, we want to debut the first women's football team for Australia. Would you like to play? Um, and I said, I don't play sports. And they're like, that's all right. Like, it's one of, it's, it is like the Olympics, but it's also like having a go and having this platform to have that opportunity for everybody. Funnily enough, one of just the leisure activities that we were doing, um, I was running around with a football, because I've always liked soccer, I guess. Um, I was running around with a soccer ball, and this this experience was life-changing for me. I will, oh, <laughs> um, for the first time in my life, I outran somebody. Mm. And it was crazy, because it wasn't just like I outran them, it's like, I can outrun them. If I run hard enough, I can outrun this person. And that was a most mind-boggling experience because I had never come even close to outrunning anybody unless they were going easy on me, of course. And that gave me a weird sense of power and a weird sense of confidence and like a weird sense of, I want to do more of this. This is why people get competitive. I understand this competition now. Um, so we started training the women's team and then 2017 World Dwarf Games happened in Guelph in Canada and there are about 20-ish countries and about roughly 200 to 300 athletes. It was crazy, man, because I was doing this for the first time, new experience, and I only played football, but apparently because this is more of a participation thing than an actual 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 competition thing still um a lot of people played more than one sport they would do like i know one guy who's just an athlete freak <laughs> he did seven sports um but what? watching these yeah watching these people play was crazy so all right the football field for us was a little bit reduced the soccer ball was just one size smaller and there were less people on the field which is completely fair and fine okay the basketball, you would think that the hoops would be lower because we are shorter, but everything was in complete normal, average, regular, everything, size, rules, regulations, in terms of the, um, the size of the court, the height of the hoops. And watching these guys play basketball was crazy, absolutely crazy. And it was just like, that's so cool. I feel so proud of us. <laughs> so I played the, I only played soccer, football, in um, for the Australian women's team. It was our debut appearance. Uh, I would like to do a little brag and say I scored the goal that got us into the grand final. Hey. Hey. <laughs> but, uh yeah, we came second, but I'm uh, against GB, Great Britain, of course. But that's their sport. They've been reigning champions for four years, I think. But for our debut team to get silver, I think we were really, really proud of that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So, that's yeah, not only am I speaking to a person from university, but someone who won <laughs> silver at the 2017 World Dwarf Games for Australia in football. 
Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So, um, yeah. Do you have any last words you want to throw to our audience before we wrap it up? Uh, yeah. As long as you're coming from a place of genuine curiosity and just wanting to learn more, never be afraid to ask questions to your friends, to the people around you, um, especially if they're your friends. It never ceases to amaze me how many close friends that I have just never asked questions because they didn't want to offend me, but they've always been curious. So most of us were pretty open to these questions, to these discussions. It's better for us because we want to educate the world a bit more and expose the world a bit more to this, these things and break the stereotype. So I encourage you uh, listeners, everybody listening to try to break that um, stereotype by being a bit more open and bold about your curious questions. And, you know, if you have people, your close friends back that haven't asked those questions, you can simply just link them this podcast. <laughs> I will. <laughs> make them listen to, make them listen to um, what we've spoke about. But uh, yes. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and sharing your opinions. Like I said, this is something I've, I wanted to ask just because I'm a pretty curious person, but I think you, you know, you answered a lot of the questions and uh, just to hear from, you know, your perspective and your experiences, uh, it's been really enlightening. So thank, thank you, you so much. much for having me. I enjoy yeah. these kind of opportunities. Absolutely. Well, Hey, uh, next time you're back in Sydney, um, whenever that is, uh, when the world opens up again, uh-huh. uh, maybe we can go out and kick and maybe get a drink or something. Yeah, let's do that. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. And I'll catch you later. Thank you for tuning into Safety Lost with Stanley Ching. If you enjoyed this, then please leave a rating or a comment. I hope you're leaving with a new idea and make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and other places that can be found in the description. <laughs>